everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Podcast. Today, my special guest is Anchor Puri. Anchor's got a very, very uh, interesting backstory. Anchor is a relatively new Canadian. He came to Canada in 2010 to study, to go to university. That's where he started. And then he got the real estate bug and dove in feet first, not really knowing what the heck he was doing, <laughs> but he took he took massive action without much of a, a safety net below him. And since then, he has done many, many, many transactions. He's done a ton of no money down deals, creative real estate investing, and he does that himself. Plus, he helps other people do those kind of deals as well. So, and Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you on. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me on your podcast. I really feel humbled and honored to be here. Thank you. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. So, Anchor, let people know a little bit about your story. You were telling me a bit of this off camera, but I want to, it's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. Sure. So as I told you, I came to Canada in 2010 and my intention was to study and then, and that kind of stuff. So I came to do a two-year course to be a chef. So professionally, I'm actually a chef. I, I can cook food, which is good news. And then I worked in a restaurant for a year as a manager, and I was in downtown Toronto as well. And I was not happy, obviously, with all the students that, that I had. With international students, as you know, we pay three to four times than what a regular student would. Wow. And then I also taking care of my rents. And I don't have a background. like I don't have parents or somebody here who can just take care of my expenses. So I had to do pretty much everything on my own. So that's how I started, you know, basically working in a restaurant for a year. In the meantime, I always wanted to do real estate. And when I was back in India, the thing that I did when I was a teenager, I read the book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Interesting. Right? That's where it all hit me. And the thing was in India, the rules are different. The way things are happening are different. They don't have such dynamic outlook of how things are here. It's more systematic here or in U.S. and stuff. So I always have this thing in my in my mind, like if I ever go out, I would love to do real estate. So that always was in my mind. And when I came to Canada, I was like, hey, I'm here. Maybe I can try to do something. So that feeling just came out. And I'm like, okay, you know what? If I really want to do this, I should just jump into it right now because I don't have time. I don't know how it's going to come out and what's going to happen. And I'm still young. So if nothing works out, I can go back and maybe do a, be a dishwasher. That's fine. You know, at least I get the minimum wage, so which is good news. So I quit my job, took a bold step, and with no safety net, like you mentioned, I didn't, I don't have any savings or I don't have my own house. I think you said you had a hundred bucks in your bank account or something like that. Yes. So when I started, I had some savings to go for two, three months, you know, because I saved from my job. And then I would like, at least I'll be able to do one deal and it should be fine. But every two weeks that I, that was going by, I didn't see any more money coming in. Everything was going out. And that, when it hit me and I said, what did I just do? Why did I quit my job? I mean, I don't have no support. Eventually, I stopped looking at my bank account because I'm like, it's depressing me. I would rather focus on real estate, try to do some courses, go to meetups, try to you know speak to sellers, get the deals closed. Did not work out. And eventually, almost after a year, I checked my bank account and I'm like, hopefully I have money for my rent and all that kind of stuff. And I log in and I see $98.25. And I'm like, no, no, that cannot be true. So I log out and I log in again. Maybe it's 980, maybe it's 9,000. No, it's still $90, 28, 25 cents. And I was so scared. 
I couldn't even go back home. But that my ticket is fifteen hundred bucks to go back. So I don't have that privilege anymore. And I can't call money from home or anything. I have no support. I don't know many people here. I hardly know students or, you know, maybe one or two people that I just met. I just had one deal at that time, which turned out to be a consultancy deal, which was actually an assignment. Turned out uh, to be what? Consultancy. So I, I consulted the guy okay. to basically do the deal in a way that I'm able to make the money. He's happy. And so is the person who's buying it. So, so you helped somebody do an assignment, basically. It's a little bit more complicated. So what happened is it was technically an assignment. I'll give you some numbers to make it simple. This guy had a townhouse and the couple, they were working at McDonald's. They didn't have enough money to cover all the rents. Their kids were like below seven, two kids. And that really hit me because he's like, you can buy my house. Everything is good, but I don't know where to take my kids. And it was around January, February. And I said, okay, let me see what I can do. So I said, well, his mortgage was at 360. The house was worth around 400 after you do repairs of 20, 30,000. So it doesn't matter which investors buys it. There's no money for anybody in this deal and no investor wants to get into it, but he's going to lose money. So what I did was I did, I became a little creative. I got some strategies into it and I told him, if you're able to rent this house for me, right at 1800, I can have you live here for a year. He said, I would love to do that because right now I'm paying over 2,500. That will help me save $700. I can provide my kids. I don't have to tell my kids we are moving. One year is enough time for me to move out. So I said, great. So I got one site settled, said 1800 bucks a month. And I knew I did my calculation. If somebody buys a house, you can get a cash flow. Then I went to my investor friend and I said, hey, listen, I have this amazing deal for you. If you buy this property at 370, you have a renter in place already. He's going to take care of your rents. So it's going to give you a cash flow. And guess what? You don't have to do any renovations until he moves out. So all he had to do is put down just a down payment of 20%. So my investor was damn happy because he had a cash flow and then he had a renter, no repairs, nothing. So that's how the deal worked out. And I made my first $10,000. So everybody was happy. He got the house. He was able to live in the house for $1,800 a month. No more stress with the mortgage, no more stress of losing his credit or anything like that. My investor friend, he was able to get a beautiful house in Markham in which he flipped after a year for 100000 more. So he was way too happy. And he made his cash flow too. And then I was able to net $10,000. And I said... You're able to keep the lights on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's when it all started. And then I started getting into assignments. Also got into fix and flips where I get my investors in. I don't put any money. And then, you know, most of my deals are all cash. There's no mortgage involved. And then my turnaround times are three to six months. And that, that's how we roll. Cool. So what's your main bread and butter strategy these days, Anchor? What do you do primarily? Well, the thing is, I do fix and flips. That's my primary. But I do it with a twist. And the thing is, in every deal, the normally what you make is what you bought it for, what you sold it for, and your profit margin, that's what you make. Great. But I try to do a little bit more. So I, do, I bring in a lot of strategies in the same deal where I'm able to make a lot more money just not the flip profit. So I have a flip profit, then I have money that I would get on a second mortgage on the same deal. And I would do, you know, I'll get some kind of grants from the city and all those things. So I would add all, all those things. So instead of making, let's say 100,000, I might end up making 120,000 on the same deal. So they are, that's how I actually roll in most of the deals. And then my mindset is pretty straightforward. If I'm not making at least 100 net, 
it's a waste of time for me. So I would not just bother to do it. Just making 10, 20,000, mm, I don't have the time. That's how I actually do all my deals. Very, very cool. So you, I think you're mentioning that you find most, if not all of your deals off market. Is that correct? That's right. 99.9% .9 deals are all off market. So I have my own marketing going on. Uh, I got a lot of bird dogs as well. I got a lot of realtors sending me exclusive deals, stuff like that. So I have made my connections that way. And then there are also a lot of sellers who have already dealt with me. They try to, they will refer me other people. They know the process is simple and all those things. And then I make sure that whatever they need, I'm able to give them. So I tell them when I speak to any seller, I'll tell them, see, my company is based on only two principles. Number one is how I can help you. Number two, can I make money helping you? Mm -hmm. not I want to make money off you and can I help you? I tell them all the time. So I let them know I want to make sure that I'm able to help you. If I'm not able to help you, I don't think I'm going to buy a property, but maybe I can give you some advice that can help you to sell it to somebody else or still get out of the situation. That's what I normally do. Right. Even if I'm not buying it, it's okay. If I know something that can help the person, I'm all in. So Anchor, nowadays, I mean, you know, especially in a hot market like Toronto, a lot of people have the misconception that there there aren't any good deals and, and it's hard to find motivated sellers and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that's not the case or else you wouldn't be in business. Right? So, so what are some of the things that you find these days that are most effective for finding these motivated sellers? Can you give us a little peek yeah. at what your marketing machine looks like? Sure. Well, technically, see doesn't matter what market, there are always people who are losing houses. And the only difference is in Canada, there's something called this privacy law. So you can't really know who's losing their house until somebody comes up and tells you, hey, Dave, I'm losing my house. Please help me. You don't know if your neighbor is losing the house until he really tells you. It's just the way things work here. Yeah, like down in the States, you can find lists of these yeah. people. It's all public knowledge. Yeah. In U.S., technically, I can sit here and I can just go on Zillow or something, I can see which one is Red House, and I know this one is in foreclosure, how much he owes. It's pretty, it's, everything is on a click, but it's different here in Canada. So the difference is that now you have to reach out to them rather than you know your target audience. So you have to be very specific with the people because you can send out yellow mail, a lot of people say that, but you're going to be sending it to a million people and maybe there's only one person who's into trouble, right? So now you just spend a million dollars to get one lead, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. So... I stick to a lot of referrals. One of those is that, and I do a lot of ads. I have my website going on, so I do a lot of online marketing. I also do door-to-door -door when I'm around. I see something, I just knock on the door, leave some, you know, my flyer or something. I have stuff in my car or my card, something or the other. I also try to get some more information on tax sales. That's also a big, big thing here. So I've actually bought a property which is weird. It's a fourplex and I bought it for $8,008. <laughs> so it's possible. Things are there. It's just a lot of people, they just feel everything is on MLS. Not really. MLS is something where no one's buying, so they go on MLS. Yeah. And then there are buyers. Well, everybody who, wants full retail price on MLS. That's yes. And then to be honest, I don't like to compete with people who have too much money, but they have no brains what they want to do with the money. So they end up spending too much and overbidding on something which is not worth. And I said, you know, you can take it. It's fine. Eventually be out of the game. Good for me. So it's all good. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your mm -hmm. marketing machine there. Now yeah. it was interesting to me because I heard, okay, that first deal you did where you made your 10 grand was basically an assignment kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> hybrid of an assignment. Yeah. And then you talked about you, you eventually moved into doing fix and flips with mm-hmm. your twist on it, yeah. typically buying properties all cash. Yeah. So obviously 10 grand wasn't going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So you had to use investor partners. So can you just briefly walk us through how did that process go for you at the beginning? How did you sure. first start bringing on money partners? Sure. So what happened is, as, as I told you, like I was losing a lot of deals. But in the meantime, what I was doing was I was building my buyers list. So I would go to meetups or, you know, either through someone's reference, I would say. And this is what I told myself when I literally quit my job. I printed my visiting cards and I told myself, I'm an investor. I flip properties. If you need deals or if you need, if you want to make money, you should come to me. So that's what I told myself and I believed in it. So whenever I would speak to any investor, I would like, I would tell them, I flip a lot of properties. If you want to make money, I can help you, right? I can do this. I can do that. So when I got into that zone, I was literally doing things as I'm actually doing it. And I've already done it 10 times. So my very first deal, it was actually all the way in Sudbury, which is four and a half hours from Toronto. That was my first fix and flip. And that one also turned out to be a lot of creative stuff that I did in that deal as well where I bought that property was a four plus one bedroom with an in-law suite and stuff. I bought it for like $70,000, right? And the numbers were after it's fixed up, it will be worth, you know, 160 to 180, somewhere around there. So I presented that deal in one of the meetups and I had so many investors saying, I have the money, I can do it, let's do it. Do you wanna, let's work together. And for me, it was success right there, even if I haven't done the deal yet, but I was like, okay, people believe in what I'm doing and they can see the number that I came up with and what I'm going to do. I have the picture. So they know, okay, it's going to happen. So then I just chose one of those investors who connected with me the most. And then we went ahead. And also in that deal, the creative thing was it did not have to come up with the full $70,000 plus the renovation cost up front because I made a deal with the owner where I will give her upfront $30,000 mm-hmm. and sorry, the upfront I'll give her $40,000 and the 30,000 will be a win to take back with no interest. Nice. $1,000 every month. What happened after a month, she's like, I just need the money. I don't care. I said, Hey, I started the renovation. If you need that money, that's fine. Instead of 30,000, I'll give you 15 all in. <laughs> and then you take your name off the title as a lender. So you got, like, a got a discount yeah. on the note immediately. There you go. So instead of 70000 I literally bought the property for fifty five. So that was a great deal that turned out that we made 15000 from the back end. And then, of course, we sold it eventually. And then we made the money that we were thinking of. So uh, that's how I made my first. So what I'm hearing, Anchor, is, you know, as a new guy, yeah, you had a lot of – you didn't have any money, but you had a lot of hustle. Yes. You went out there. You weren't shy. You went out to all the meetup groups, mm-hmm. had your business card. You said, hey, I'm basically at that point, you're almost you're a couple of steps up from a bird dog. But, yeah, you're really trying to find the deals, get them under contract and then bring the opportunity. And then you're out at meetups, meeting active investors and saying, hey, I got this deal. I need a partner to work yeah. with me on it. And that's how you generated the interest. Is that Pretty correct? Much. That's true. Because for me, was any deal that comes to me, I'm like, how can I make it happen? What is it that I can do where it can be beneficial, not just for me, for my investor, even for the seller? So I would always think from a perspective that it's not just I want to make money and I don't care about other people. I want to make sure that, yes, I want to make money, but that's the last thing. The first thing is, how can I help the seller? 
Second thing is, how can I help an investor? And am I still able to make money? Right. So you have to. might listen to say and say, okay, well, that example there, where you had the vendor take back financing. Yeah. And she needed the money, and then you got a discount. Aren't yeah. you ripping that lady off? Not really, because at the end of the day, what happened is she's the one who agreed. I just gave her an offer. I can give an offer of say, hey, I buy a property for ten thousand. If you agree to it, that's exactly is what the property's worth. See, the difference is that if you go and buy a table, you buy a chair and everything, there are certain prices. But there are two things. One is properties and the other thing is diamond. The only price is what someone's willing to pay. That's just the way it works. So if she's okay to you know, take the 15000 and then leave the 15000 on the table, I'm not going to say no. Mm-hmm. She could have exactly. come back and told me. You might have, if she had to negotiate a little harder, you might. Yeah, have she could have got more. Yeah. But I told her, this is what I can do. She said, okay, then I don't need to say, oh, no, no, you should negotiate and take the 10000 more from she, me. She needed cash now a lot more exactly. than more cash later. That's, yeah, because instead of waiting for 30 months to get that $1,000 every month, she's getting 15 up front, and she was happy with that. So Exactly. No, uh, you're preaching to the choir here, my friend. It's just <laughs> some people really get their knickers in a knot about that stuff. Anchor, time flies when we're having fun, my friend. You'll have to have you back on the show again at some later time and and dig into this a little bit more. Now, I know you offer coaching and mentoring and things like that. Just briefly, if people want to find out more about you, maybe get a hold of you, what can they do? Okay, so they can go on my website. It's called ankurpuri.com. I have everything set out there. What do I offer for mentoring and what is it that they will get in for me, is I want to make sure that they're able to help them. It's not about, you know, how much they're going to be charged and everything. I want to see people successful because I believe if I can do it, they can do it too. All the, some of my mentees have made tons of money, which is amazing. And I'm looking forward to help others as well. It's a six months course. So it's uncleprey.com where they can go in. And I would also love to give a little gift to your audience if that's okay. Sure. So on my website, I have a series of eight videos, which are strategic mastermind videos that I use in my business day in, day out. So they can have free access to that and also the deal analyzer that I use in my own business to analyze the deal to see if it's going to make money or not. And that's worth around 500 or so, but it's all free for your audience. So I would love them to go on it and hopefully help somebody who's able to ready to take action. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. See you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you every day for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Bye bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits Podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries, about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.